and everything that we've gone through this morning and our announcements, children, praises and our prayers and worship, Lord. May our hearts be open to your word. May we, Lord, grow closer to you now in this moment and this time. That we would not just come here to be the same, but Lord, that we would observe, that we would uh, take something and apply it to our lives and, and leave here today changed for your kingdom as your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. It is great to see you. If we've not uh, yet met, I'm Pastor Andrew, and uh, I will begin by saying it has been a, a, a joy this morning to pull Brother Ken Graham out of retirement for a, for a, a day. Yeah, praise God. And uh, uh, just prayers for Pastor Tyler. He is uh, helping uh, his sister celebrate Senior Sunday at Mary Methodist today. And then he has his first wedding that he's officiating. So pray for him. He's doing a great, great ministry today. But um, it is truly a blessing to be here and uh, in the midst of life. As, as Ken was just simply pointing out in the fact of our prayers and our presence of what God has done and what God is doing. And, and we pray that all the way through the previous miracle series that you have seen God work and, and, and intertwine and braid things together uh, in your life. And, and I pray that that continues as we move into uh, a focus on Ephesians. Now, I know that there are uh, a lot of us who have uh, different pasts and contexts, and we have one of our uh, adult groups right now that's going through Ephesians verse, five, verse by verse, and it's beautiful. And the reason that um, we're moving in this direction is simply this, and the discernment of everything that we see in the world, everything that is going on both globally, everything that's going on locally, all of these different areas of life that seem to pull and tear and rip and gnaw at us. The question is, what are we holding to? What is the truth in which we find ourselves and Paul is directly writing to this church who is in the same context, having the same struggles, having the same things to deal with. And he's encouraging them to run away from falsehood, to discern what is true and what is right. And this morning is, is really powerful uh, in the way in which he presents to the church and, and also that we're going to be introduced to what's going on both then and now. And so I, I pray that this is uh, helpful for you, that you would grow in your faith and in your understanding of uh, God's Word, and also a way that you can't just have it up here, but you have it in your feet, and you're walking it, and you're living it, and you're speaking it. Because we live in a day and an age where it seems like everybody's got an opinion, right? Yeah? And we all do. But the beauty of what we're going to read is that God has given us in our diverse opinions and diverse experiences something called the body, the body of the church. And we are, as sons and daughters, to be that church together. So I want to read for us uh, chapter 1, and we're going to read from verses 1 through um, 14 this morning. If you brought your Bibles with you, I'd like to invite you to open those to Ephesians. If not, the words will be here on the screen. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, 
the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has set freely, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put in effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed. You are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This is the word of God for us this morning. And as we open these words and as we hear Paul addressing the church right off the bat, we see the similarities of all of the different letters in which Paul addresses church. His very familiar opening, him giving a stance of his authority and his position and why he's doing what he's doing. But we see this church specifically being addressed as we read also in Revelation chapter 2, verse 2, as a church that was unique and the wisdom and discernment regarding false prophets. This church is a discerning church. This church is a praying church. This is a church of wisdom that acknowledges what's going on in the world and yet places everything that is taking place on the outside up against what God has done in and through His Son, Jesus Christ. It is also important that we have a little bit of context to this church. This church, Ephesus, uh, it was in this unique city that controlled all the networking and, and the outlying and all the inners and, and outers in a 30-mile radius. They were important. And this letter is important because it's a pertinent encouragement to speak truth and to put away falsehood in the midst of the world trying to tear people away from Jesus. And that's the whole focus of this entire letter to Ephesus. Put away that falsehood. Cling to the truth. Come from death into life. And so that's the theme that we are going to follow through this journey of Ephesians. From death to life. As we look at the underlying emphasis of speaking truth and putting away falsehood, it takes root in the fact that Paul is writing to this church from jail. Paul's imprisoned in Rome, as we read in Acts chapter 28. Paul notes his imprisonment in Ephesians chapter 3 and 4 and 6, and he's, he's 
not hiding anything. He's being vulnerable with this church. To put it another way, Paul is imprisoned, writing to a church to combat the imprisonment of the falsehoods of the devil, of culture, and of the world that can so easily entangle us. Think about that for a moment. If you were to receive a letter of encouragement, if you were to receive a letter of direction from somebody who is imprisoned, to you to not be imprisoned in the life in which you have. That's pretty fascinating if we break that down. But there are focal points in understanding what he's saying here and and our understanding of what it means to come from death to life, to come from the truth and understanding and recognizing those things that are false. First thing is this. Jesus Christ has reconciled all of creation through his death and resurrection. Second, by Jesus' death, he's broken down every barrier that separates humanity from itself. He's united people from all different backgrounds, all different experiences, all different nations and races into his church. I know that's very important. Very important because we see, especially in North America, we have uh, different churches with maybe a, a, a word that we could use, a different brand. If you uh, are into more of an evangelical or, or a more uh, raise your hands, dance around, you go here, you go here. All these different places have an identity of who they are as a church. But as we read here, it's through Christ's death on the cross, his resurrection and his ascension, He's brought all of us diversely together, sons and daughters. To understand these two key elements, Paul addresses how we are to live as Christians both in the church, at home, and in the world. We're going to address those things throughout this study. How you are living in the church, how you are living at home, how you are living in the world. He's going to address all of these different areas of our lives, and that's going to be important for us to understand that we are rooted in the unity of love and grace that Jesus Christ gives us. How we live together in the church, at home, and in the world is important because this city, this church, faced the same things that we face. Maybe a little different. Here's an example. This city was captivated by magic. Now, some of us were like, oh, not, not unless we're watching America's Got Talent or something like that. We're like, oh, yeah, there's a magic show. But they're, they're, they're amazed by things that are not of the natural order. They're amazed by magic. Paul addresses that in saying that God is the authority. God is the creator over everything in heaven and earth. So they are captivated by things that are outward. They have large stadiums. There's one stadium that could fit up to 20,000 spectators. They had false worship of different gods. They had different temples and different things like that. We might say, oh, that's not a temple, but we see different buildings. We see different structures, and we say, huh, is that a place of worship? For some of us, it is. For some of us, it is. And so I want to bring us back to the word here. As Paul begins in chapter 1, noting his relationship, why he is here. 
Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God, our Father and Lord. Paul is beginning by getting the reader's attention. He's getting the church's attention by saying, it is by God's will and his purpose that I'm writing to you. He's stating to these Christians, and he's ultimately using the terminology as we learned here in our children's message, he's calling these Christians saints. The recipients of this letter offer grace and peace from God our Father through our Lord Jesus Christ, underlying tone for what they are about to receive. And as we read these words, God's message to us and to them, and we understand it, that it's upon God's grace that we would receive it, and it's upon God's peace that we would receive it, that we would implement those very things in our lives, in the church, at home, and in in this world. Now I, for one, uh, typically really like Ephesians chapter 1, specifically verses 3 through 14. And I'll give a little context on that. When I was going through Greek, uh, it was the first foreign language I ever uh, had to take. I, at Northland, they like, just implemented in like, you know, two years of the foreign language. So I was like, whoo, I squeaked out, yeah. But I'm in graduate school in Greek class. I've never taken a foreign language. And uh, I think I've told you this before, but I have this little itty-bitty Greek professor, Maybert Prasad, who uh, met with me. And she was, Andrew, you are not the smartest student I've ever had. <laughs> and I'm in my chair, and I'm looking up to this sweet little lady, and she goes, how did you get this far into school? <laughs> and I, I just, I was like, okay, what is your point? Where's this going? Because it doesn't sound very good. She goes, now you're not very smart, and you're not very good with grammar and writing, um, but you're here, and you're, you're willing to work hard, and you spend a lot of hours in the classroom. And, and she's like, I've never had a student be in a classroom for 13 hours. And I was like, "May it's because I don't have a home, so I, I'm just going to hang out here and learn how to do Greek. But as she helped me understand Greek, she also helped me understand English. And I promise this is going somewhere. Because I can really relate to verses 3 through 14 because in the original Greek, it's all one sentence. And I'm like, oh, that's great. There's no, it just keeps on going. keeps on. It drive an English teacher crazy. But the point and purpose of that is that verses 3 through 14 is one long breath. It is that important. There's no stops. There's no breaks. There, it, the, the emphasis is so huge that it should shout at us. Like in our modern day, if you do everything in caps and bold, you're like, why are you yelling at me? That's what's happening right here in these verses. It's so important. There's no stop. There's no break. We're, bring, we're brought to the foundational point, starting in verse 3, that it, after Jesus went to heaven, after he was raised from the dead, and after he ascended into heaven, because he's seated at the right hand of God, we're now given the understanding that this has been God's plan all along. And then verse 4 brings us into even a deeper understanding. So verse 3, praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then verse 4, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. 
Now, I, I want us to stop there and think about that for a second. He chose us in him. We live in a world and in a culture where you and I are told we have the power to choose. I remember I was going through a lot of different things with my identity and, and struggling, and it came to a point where I was in uh, Jamaica on a mission trip, and I, I read this very passage, and I also read John chapter 15, the understanding that it's not based upon what I've done. God has chosen me. God has chosen you. Even before you were in your mother's womb, God has chosen you. Before the foundations of the world, God has chosen you. And get back, getting back to the point of what I brought up last week of like, what is your purpose in life? Why are you here? Have you ever thought of all times and all places, all the things I might face or the things that I might go through, the struggles I might have, the ways I identify or I don't identify? Why? All of it can simply be broken down or all of it can be simply understood in this one truth before the foundations of the world. God chose you. God knows you, he loves you, he's given you the very breath of your life and has a purpose for you beyond anything you could ever imagine or try to guess. Sometimes we get overwhelmed by the things that are going on in our lives and think that our world is maybe crashing down or, or there's so much weight on our shoulders and we don't know what to do and, and nobody could possibly understand what I feel or what I'm going through because of it just being me. The understanding that God chose us in His Son, Jesus Christ, even before those things that you're going through. Think about that for a second. This is also a really difficult and a very on pins and needles topic. Because we, we do live in a world where if you're not addressing somebody and how they identify, it can be very difficult. It can be uncomfortable for both parties. But here, right here in the truth, before any of that rolls in, before any of uh, whatever pronoun, whatever opinion, whatever alignment you may have, before any of that stuff in the world, we have this right here. In Christ. Now, I don't bring those things up to be divisive. I bring those up that we would know the truth, that before any of anything, we are in Christ. Do you, do you understand? Do you get that? That before you have identified yourself or before the world has tried to identify yourself, before anything, you're in Christ. Before the foundations of this world. And that is truly, should be liberating to understand that your first and foundational identity and no matter what you face or go through in life is in Christ. And we read on. It's in love he predestined us for the adoption of sonship. Now, the word sonship is sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Jesus chose us 
that we would be holy and blameless, that we would live as Christ had lived. Why? Because of his love. And he has predestined each of us to be adopted as sons and daughters in and through his sacrifice in accordance with his pleasure and will. Why? It's for his praise and glorious grace which he's freely given to us and the one he loves. God predestined us to be his son, to be his daughter, to be his church. You and I have been God's plan all along. Think about that for a moment. You and I have been God's plan all along. As the waters were being formed, as, as, as everything was taking place, Adam and Eve, all the animals, all of it, you were a part of God's plan. Now in the midst of life, we might seem like we're just a, a little small dot on the big map, but not to God. We're everything. We're everything as God chose us. And how and what does that make sense of how we live it? Verse 7. Because he chose us, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with his riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. He purposed in Christ to be put into effect in times when times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Let's just stop there for a moment. It was through Jesus' blood being poured out that all things are purposed and brought together for his unity, both in heaven and on earth. Now let's talk about the church for a moment. We have a lot of things going on in church always. Church is uh, a mess because we're a part of it, right? We're broken and we hurt and we get hurt. That's not an excuse. That's not an scapegoat. But the church has never been a place to be a museum for saints, but it's a, muse it's a hospital for us broken people. It's a place where we come and we're real and we're vulnerable with one another and we acknowledge our faults. Why? So that we could be better equipped, better able to live into this life that God is calling us to be holy and blameless before him. Now, in the midst of church, we have a lot of different things going on, especially with our denomination. There are a lot of different avenues and paths, pathways you can get on the conference website. You can get on Facebook, and you can look up different Methodist churches, and they'll be over here and over here and down here in all, the, all different ways. And we have this growing understanding, what I would say is a false teaching, that there's more than one way to come to Christ that Jesus wasn't really resurrected, that Jesus was just a good moral teacher, he's just a good guy, didn't really die for anybody's sins. Those are false teachings that are taking root in the church. And I, I want to encourage you 
that at any point in time you hear that very thing that is the opposite of the gospel, the word of the truth, run the other direction. Because as we're going to learn and come to understand here in Ephesians, there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's the essence of the church. This is John Wesley starting the Methodist movement. This was the book that he used as who we are as the church. Now let's talk about in the world for a moment. I was in uh, one of my required clergy meetings this past week and I had one of the pastors come up and put her arm around me and give me a side hug and just says, I just don't know how you do it. What are you talking about? She says, you know, you got kids at home, the church, and oh my gosh, I've been just following all this stuff going on at your school. What is going on? You know, she's very animated, so... And I just, I just said, oh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. I didn't go into any details because quite honestly, I'm, I'm doing my best to pray and observe. Pray and observe. But what I do see in the midst of the observation is that there are a lot of people that have different opinions. There's a lot of abrasiveness. There's a lot of pointing back and forth. And my first point of encouragement for us as the church and the world and in our community, as first and foremost, pray always. If you're not praying for that person that you might not see eye to eye with, if you're not praying for your school administrators or your school board, but you show up and you have something to say that's not good or productive, that's not okay, especially as a Christian. And there was another pastor that was there that's very involved with everything going on at Limar. And as I sat there in the midst of our time of prayer and praying over our schools and our communities, it hit me. Andrew, what would you do? As one of the pastors approached me. I said, I pray that as these parents take so many things so serious for the education, which is rightfully so, I also pray that they would have the same, same courage, that they would have the same seriousness, that they would have everything in them to fight just as hard, if not harder, for the faith of their kids. And that leads into how we live at home. It's through Christ's blood, through his redemption, through his resurrection and his ascension, that he has given us grace and peace. And trust me, my wife is right here. She can tell you those are not two words that sometimes I identify with or live out. Grace and peace. But God has chosen us to each day live into this truth that there is grace and peace offered, which is beyond any understanding that we can receive from one another. It's just from God. It's a love from God that you and I cannot give one another. There's a, a point and purpose for the church and the world and at home that he's bringing us all together. Because as we sit here in the church, as we interact with one another as parents and friends and as neighbors in the world and in our community and our schools, and as we interact at home, guess what? We're all on the same boat. This boat we call life. And God has given us a purpose 
and a reason right here, right now, through His Son, Jesus Christ. Before the foundations of the world, you are put here. Not to be an opinionated jerk, but to be a loving and graceful Christian who loves their neighbor despite what you might have as a difference of opinions, to love your neighbor and the truth that Jesus Christ gave his life for them on the cross, to love your neighbor as yourself. So in the midst of all of this, what's the point? You were chosen, you're redeemed, and you are to be united here on earth and in heaven, sealed and kept secure by the Holy Spirit as God's possession. You're chosen by God in Christ first. You're redeemed by His blood no matter your differences. And you have security in the Holy Spirit through the unity of your church which Christ has brought each of us to. As Paul writes to this church of Ephesus to encourage them, I too encourage you, church. Where is it that you can love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, and soul? Where is it that you can love your neighbor as yourself? Where is it that you can extend the grace, the good news that Jesus Christ has given his life for that other person? Don't fall for false teachings. You're chosen to be holy and blameless. You're chosen as a son and daughter of God. You're chosen to come from death to life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and thank you for your word. We thank you for our brothers and sisters of this church who have gone before us and faced similar things, Lord, the challenges of their own lives. And I pray, Lord, right now that you would just open our hearts and all the ways that we are going through different things and all the pressures and struggles that our school administrators have to our teachers to every single parent or grandparent that is a part of this community that is doing everything to, to better our youth and our children and ultimately each and every person's lives Lord I pray where there is division I pray God your hedge of prote protection that there would be love and grace. And Lord, I pray that that power would come in and through your Holy Spirit in your church. God, that we would lead by example, that we would take our faith serious and the knowledge and truth of your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you that you chose us, that our one and true identity before all else is to be found in you. The author, the creator, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. 
to you, Lord, who has given us our, our very fingerprints, our identity. We thank you. And we pray that whatever we're struggling, whatever might be going through our minds and hearts that would, that would maybe counter this truth or debate it, or that you would break down those barriers. That there would, wherever there would be doubt, that you would help us in our understanding. Wherever there is guilt, that you would give us peace and patience. Wherever there is bitterness, Lord, that may you break that away and allow us to love. God, it is for your glory and your purpose that we together, your sons and daughters, as your church, right here, right in center point, Iowa, would give you all praise and glory. Now and for the age to come. Amen.